so I had to work on my timing of not only my, my mechanics, but also my timing of my jokes. My experience was going after the, you know, the Greg Zahn and Dirk Hayhurst when I was a player. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JPN TV. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne, and today our guest is arguably the biggest character on the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's Joe Biagini, who's also on the field having a really nice year, restoring that form from that rookie 2016 where he got people excited as that late-inning reliever. He's gotten back to that, but in terms of talking to him on a podcast, it's really about his personality, and he's a guy who's going to take us places. I have no doubt about that. We might have to have a longer interview than usual. Joe is known for... uh, you know, filling up people's recorders, but it's all for the best because he's one of the most interesting guys you're going to meet in baseball. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him about, you know, the the finally being able to know what his his role is. I think that's what's going to make him, uh, you know, or what has made him better this season. Uh, I would love to hear what he has to say anyways, just because, like you said, when this guy talks, it's kind of just entertainment in general. I think that uh, I... I mean, he's one of the guys you just give the mic and then you, 45 minutes later, you're like, okay, thanks for that one question answer. Um, so we'll see. We'll try to make sure that we can we can do, get him back into what we need to talk about. But listen, he, he's been great in a Rule 5 pickup, which was um, a huge pickup. And so they, I want to ask him too about Elvis and see what he, what he has to say about him as well because, you know, I'm sure that he tries to help him out. All right. So before we get to Joe, I want to talk a little bit about one of the bigger stories this week. I know it's a few days old at this point, but I thought it would be a good one for the two of us to go through because it kind of involves people in both of our shoes. And that's an interaction between media, players and management. And I think that uh, a lot of baseball fans will know where I'm going with this. That's the Mickey Calloway incident. So luckily, We have an E for explicit on this podcast, so I can read you these quotes. I'm not doing it for, you know, superfluous reasons. I'm not doing it because I enjoy doing it. But, uh, you know, I'll I'll let you know what was said. And it started off with a reporter having an interplay with the Mets manager, Callaway, where he kind of questioned Callaway not bringing in Edwin Diaz, their best reliever, earlier in the game in a big spot. And that got contentious. And so, basically, the way the story goes is the reporter said to Mickey... You know, see it, see you tomorrow, Mickey. And Mickey interpreted it as him being snide, which I know we weren't there. I don't know what the tone was. I could understand someone kind of saying that in a snide way. I'm not sure if that was the intention. I don't think it was. But then Mickey kind of went off. And so the quotes we hear from from the clubhouse were Mickey's telling the reporter, don't be a smart-ass motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. We don't need that bullshit. So he really, you know, that's not... You know, it's not like uh, a clubhouse's elementary school. You'll hear some language in a clubhouse from time to time, but you rarely hear a manager or player going off on a reporter like that. And then it got worse because Jason Vargas, one of the Mets pitchers, told the guy, I'll knock you the fuck out, bro, which is pretty hilarious for a guy, I don't know, like Vargas is a guy in his 30s and the reporter is presumably like a middle-aged guy just... I don't know. Not very adult stuff, you might say. Some immature stuff. And then I just wanted to get your take, JP, on the interactions you've seen in over your career between the media and players and managers and when it gets heated and how that 
it gets resolved because it seems like the Mets gave these guys a couple slaps on the wrist. There was some, you know, they came out in front of the mics, but it was it was a barely apology type of apology and kind of let's all move on from this. So what's your experience with that? Well, obviously, I think my experience was going after the, you know, the Greg Zahn and Dirk Hayhurst when I was a player. And that was just more, you know, just I was I was upset in the sense of the way these guys were, were doing their reporting. Everybody, they have an opinion and players should have an opinion and coaches should have an opinion as well. Theirs are valid, just like players and coaches are as well. I think that that situation for me, I don't know the entire story, but I would have to imagine that that's probably a guy who has been very critical of that team for some time. And so people read stuff, coaches read stuff, players read stuff. And so I don't think that necessarily that is what set Mickey Calloway over the top by him just saying, I'll see you tomorrow. I think that there has, there has to be a culmination of things that have, that have happened throughout the season that that guy is probably a dude who tries to poke the bear and tries to poke the bear and tries to poke the bear. Because let's, let's be honest on the media side, there's, there's guys who really love being the shock chalk and really love being the controversial uh, person. No doubt. And they'll, and they'll throw that they'll throw that freaking bait out there, throw that bait out there, because they if you do react, and then here we go, they have that story. So I think that that's I'm sure that there's a little bit of a build up to that. Now on the on the player side, I think that's that's just built up frustration. Vargas, you know, not having his best year. Uh, you have Mickey Calloway, who's probably feeling the heat of you know this team, very you know underperforming again. You're in New York, New York City. So he's I, – I think that is a, sh- a sign of, like, the, these guys are, are very, very insecure where they're at right now, which I've been there. So that's why, you know, when I lashed out, I was having a tough year and I was, you know, getting it from all angles and I was just over it. And so I don't think, you know, I, I just show – that just shows to me the frustration of this team and the frustration of the, of of what's going on in New York City. But – Again, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I, I can see as a player going, hey, I want to whoop your ass because I've been there before because no one on the planet works as hard as we do for ourselves and cares as much as we do. No journalist, no fan, no nothing cares as much as we do as, as a, during our career. So when guys are coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, there's only a, a little bit inside of you that goes like, hey, man, fuck off. Like I'm trying to be good, and you're all you're doing is just burying me. And I know that they have a job to do, right? So there's both there's both sides to the story. I can see why players get frustrated, but there's also the 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 media is always very protected, and and that's something that again you can poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, and then they lash out at you, and you get a story. And I think that what about this guy that's been poking the bear? Why doesn't he have any any reprimand? So, um. Bad situation. Both people probably could have handled it better, but it is what it is. It's interesting you mentioned people who seem to make a living poking the bear. And this is having been in the clubhouse a lot, having been in a lot of post-game press conferences. I'm not going to name any names, but people come down, and it's usually not the people who are there every day. It's often it's columnists or people who are more national writers. And they come down, and it seems to me like they ask questions 
that aren't really valid questions. They're there to ask a question in hopes that someone is going to react to that question. And to me, that seems like a disingenuous way to do journalism because you're not reporting on what's happening or you know what what's happening on the field or how people are feeling about something. You're trying to make someone feel some kind of way about something and then you're reporting that. And that seems a little bit unfair to me. And I think that that's probably something that has happened here to an extent. Now, you know, the, the reactions are undoubtedly overreactions. And on the flip side, it does suck if your media and the, the locker room feels like a hostile place for you to work because you have to go there. You don't have the option of just not going there. Like next time Jason Vargas starts, you're going to have to talk to Jason. You can't just say like, oh, Jason Vargas was a dick to me one time. I'm just never going to talk to him again. So that's the bits that's unfortunate is that people who are players and who are managers or coaches of any kind have a, a lot of power over journalists' work environment and whether that environment feels hostile or not. So that's where I feel for the guy who's a journalist because he has to go to the park, whatever, the next day or whenever his next time is. And he's got to talk. He's got to be in the manager meeting. He's got to talk to Jason Vargas. And this is unavoidable. And there's no doubt that this has changed the relationship, you know, probably forever. You know, you, you don't forget when people kind of lose it at you like that. And I know we're all, you know, all grown ups and we understand the people are emotional or whatever, but that's something you probably don't forget. So that that is the part that sucks. I feel like players and managers have a lot more control over the media's workspace than vice versa. So that that's the part of it that I think is a little bit unfortunate, especially if that hostility trickles down to the media in general, like the people who are trying to do an honest job, not just one person in particular. Yeah, and I think now, unfortunately, in the in the world we're in, it, you know, everybody wants clickbait and wants that story and wants to get that, that, you know, whatever the the little little lashing out or or that shock, and it sucks because then what that does is that also when you have situations like that that happen in the clubhouse now from the player side. Then it makes you not want to talk to them, you know. Like you see this go down, everybody sees this in the clubhouse, and then so it's already all these guys are already hesitant because they're having a the year is not a great year, the team's not doing well, so they feel it. They feel the heat as players in the team, the press is just ripping them, and so then that happens, and then so that does what that does too is create a a bigger divide with the people that are going to be there for on behalf of the media and the players, and it makes it awkward. And it's just, it's just, again, there could have been a better way to handle this, you know, but these guys, that's just feeling the heat of your livelihood. Like Mickey Calloway knows that this dude is on the hot seat. That's what everybody says. He's on the hot seat, on the hot seat. He knows this, right? So he feels the heat of, dude, this is, this is the one opportunity I've had to manage and it might end for me soon. And then this might be the only chance I get. And this is, so this is, you know, that that pent up you know frustration and anger and you lash out like that then you know it's it's not a good situation but that's that's what that is man and and it's tough and and you know i i respect the the guys who write their stories but are in the clubhouse every single day and i think that's what players respect as well is if you're in there every single day whatever story you may write if I have an issue with it, I can go and talk to you the next day because you're accountable and you're staying in there. That's what we respect. 
Um, I, I think where the disconnect is is when guys come in, like you said, that are just not always covering the team and then come in and try to get these these like – they ask the stupid questions for you to get frustrated and be like, are you effing kidding me? This is stupid. And then and then get something out of you. And that's why I think too if you look at it, I, I literally if I was like a player development person, I would get every one of Derek Jeter's interviews and go like, hey, watch this. Because he gives nothing. He's like completely, he's just like, and I know that media yeah, wouldn't I, like to have that. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's not great for us. But, uh, uh, yeah, but on, on the, on the for what I would t- tell players is, man, watch this guy. This guy played in the, in the toughest market for media-wise. And he was able to always answer it correctly and do the right things and never an issue. And as much as I'm sure he wanted to be like, F you, dude. You guys are asking me stupid questions. This guy was like perfect all the time. And again, I know that no one wants that on the media side, but just I'm just saying on the player side, that's something that that I would tell young guys. Watch. I feel this. like Kevin Biggio might be the Blue Jays guy who's going to fit that mold. It's a little bit early to tell, but he just has that polished, composed, seems to have an answer for everything type of demeanor, and he's really low-key but also professional uh before we go to joe i did want to ask you how much you think and and i know it's on a player-to-player basis and i don't always i think it's unfair sometimes if i ask you to speak for all players but how much you think players differentiate between different members of media because it seems to me some people are very hostile in general or they're or or the other way very friendly in general they don't really care who it is and some people are very specific about you know, oh, these are people that I feel comfortable talking to and like, and these are people that I'm not going to. So how is that for you, and how do you think that is for a lot of players? Well, it depends, right? It depends on how you come up. And, and you know, because there's, there's interviews and, and press throughout the minor leagues, right, because you know, there's some coverage. And so if you have something done to you, you know, either let's say maybe in college or in the pros – you're going to already have a little bit of a of a inclination that you that you're not a fan of the media. Um if you come up if you come up to the big leagues and you struggle right away, I imagine that you're not going to be a fan of the media cuz they're not going to be positive with you. Um so those are things I think it you know it's all your experience with the media is a huge part of it. I also think it's the people that you can trust and there was there was people when I was there that I felt more comfortable more comfortable talking to than others just because of even if they wrote something negative it doesn't have to be negative or positive but the way that it was said and and again I don't think players should be reading it anyways honestly it's the it's probably one of the toughest things to do is to just not read it doesn't but seem like it'll help it it doesn't it doesn't help for them to read it but I think that's that's the biggest thing is is guys that know and understand that hey it's the the media's job to get a story and to do their job like that's their job is to to write and have an opinion and understand that side of it i think are better with the media than guys that are very take it personal and you know i did at the i did towards the end and then now i i look at it and i'm like hey man i wish i didn't read stuff and also i wish that i understood that they just have a job to do one way or another it's just an opinion and is what it is now are there people that i think can do it taste more tastefully and just not have to just rip guys or, or be personal. Yes. But is what it is, man. That's what they're, 
it's just like a guy who walks a lot or a guy who swings for the fences. There's different kind of guys in media and and lady, men and women. And so you just have to be able to understand that and get past it. But it, there's it's definitely something that needs to be taught, I think, at a lower level, which they have some stuff, but I think they can do a better job of it. Of it. All right, we're going to be joined by Joe Biagini, someone who, if he had had any media training, has uh, ignored it in favor of his own whims, but I think it's definitely for the best. Joe, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, you're having a great year, and I, and I think that there's nothing more important than a player understanding his role. Do you think that coming into this season – that's been a big, uh, you know, thing for you to know, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing as opposed to starting, not starting, bullpen, not bullpen. Um, yeah, they they told me at the beginning of the year that I was going to be in a comic release role. Um, and so I had to work on my timing of not only my, you know, arm action, for example, and my mechanics, but also my timing of my jokes. Um, so that's been nice to kind of know that that's what, uh, that's what I'm going for. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think my first, this was, I think the first season, the first spring training, I think I have had in my whole professional career, um, where I have not been starting, at least part of the time. I think in my first spring with the Blue Jays, I started once or twice or something at the end of the season. We're like, oh, let's just let them start, see what, see what happens. And, um, and then obviously the last, the, the previous, uh, or the, the following years after that. But um, this year was the first year that they were just like, you're just strictly in the bullpen. And, um, you know, I mean, some people have asked me, you know, over the last couple of years, like, what do you think the, the going back and forth has done to you? Like, that's tough, that's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, it is tough, but it's all tough. You know, it's tough to be only a starter. Um, it's tough to be only in relief. But the um, having the role defined, I think, is, is definitely at least gives you a chance to kind of really – um, settle into to one thing and try to perfect that. Um, and, you know, it's still a struggle to maintain consistency and, you know, stay on top of your attitude. Don't let anything get too far away from you. Stay healthy, do all your work, and, you know, and then perform in the games. But um, I definitely have appreciated all the opportunities you've given me, and I, like, would never think that um, – you know, the starting opportunity was unfair or anything like that. It was absolutely fair. I, I would have, I would do it again and try it again and try to use the thing I've, things I've learned since then and apply it uh, to try to do a better job with it. And so I really appreciated that opportunity and I appreciated them kind of being patient with me. And so here we are. Do you, you know, being a rule five guy and you have Elvis Luciano, do you think, I mean, for you, how much has and I know that the the language could be a little bit of a barrier, but how much have you been able to try to help him and and talk to him about you know even in spring training or whatever may be that your experience with that? Um, I um, have definitely 
um, talked to him about, like, that I was in the same role as him. Obviously, he has um, a lot of people, you know, in his ear as he should, being a young guy. Um, I, um, I think that the thing that I really, I mean, the, the way that I communicate him or communicate with him the best is like, just kind of like more on the side of like, Hey, this is, um, a great opportunity for you, you know, and you should be excited about it, but also remember, you know, place of life that you're in you know you're young and you're you know you don't like you can't really like you want to be successful you want to um you know perform and um and like you know be a really great contributor to the team and he has the stuff and even the mentality to do that at this age which is pretty incredible um but it's also like you know look at this in the long term. Like you, you are learning a lot, you know, and you're, um, you know, you're growing a lot. You're young. You have these so many opportunities ahead of you still. That doesn't mean that this one isn't important, but I think that the team kind of thinks that way. And, um, I was fortunate enough to kind of be handled in the same way, even though I was like 20 years older than him. But, uh, you know, that's a, a lot of that is, Obviously, not super easy to communicate, but I've definitely um, tried to give him that uh, impression. Um, and then the rest of the time, it's just kind of goofing around and trying to make him laugh and stuff. And you know, hopefully that helps him like relax. And 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 you know, honestly, what I've noticed and what we've talked about uh, with him and uh, just about him in the, especially in the bullpen, just watching him work. It's like he has uh, a maturity that, you know, I like if I, I mean, I was lost my first year and I was 25 and he's what, 19, he's turned 19 in spring. And uh, I mean, he's handling it, you know, really well. I know he's not here at the moment right now and he's, uh, you know, hopefully going to um, recover and come back. Um, but like the moment never seemed too big for him. You know, as a 19-year-old, to kind of have that awareness, it's almost like, you know, I, I, I'm available to give him, you know, what he needs, but it doesn't seem like he's, you know, overwhelmed by it, which is pretty cool to, to see because I would just remember thinking, like, like he hasn't even, you know, really had any sort of struggles outside of the, the field or, or on the field for that matter, but, like, I remember thinking, like, if he ever does anything crazy or weird or something like that, I'm going to try to remind myself he's 19 years old, and I probably would have been doing, you know, the same stuff. But he, he's always been just kind of really handling it well, which has been fun to watch. Joe, it's always fun to talk baseball with you, but I think I'd be negligent in my duties as a podcast host if I didn't try and pick your brain on other topics. So the way we normally do that on the podcast, we end each episode with Would You Rathers, I think – we're going to throw a couple would-you-rathers at you and uh, see what you've got. So, Okay, keep them appropriate. They're, they're appropriate. I kept, I kept you in mind, Joe. I know what you're about. Okay, thank you. Number one, would you rather 
be cast as James Bond in the next five James Bond movies or host a TV show in your choice of genre for the same amount of time that the five Bond movies would come out? Oh, wow. Hmm. Let's see. I th- you know, gosh, as suave, if that's a word, as I would be as James Bond, I think that I might be a little too intimidating, you know? Like, they're like, oh, this guy is just such a perfect James Bond. He's so attractive and manly and charismatic, which obviously you guys are thinking, um, I'm sure, um, that I think that it would be a little bit too obvious. And it's like, oh, we got to have somebody a little bit less. You could ruin the whole series uh, the next generation. Yeah, right. You know, it's just the expectations are set too high. So I would say TV show host, um, just because I think it would be fun to be, I don't think I would want the responsibility of being the main, you know, uh, deal on a show like this is like about this person, you know, like a TV show host or something. Like if it's a game show or something, it's about the, the contestants or whatever. But like the guy on the side making like, you know, sarcastic comments you know from the peanut gallery and like you know i think it'd be fun um to kind of just be off to the side and um i think that uh i oh i remember watching this i think i can't remember exactly what it was called but i think it was called a uh it was it was a, it was a documentary about game shows um it might have just been called game show or something i don't know it was hosted by alex trebek a um you know, one of our favorite Canadians. And uh, it just went through the whole, um, you know, history of it. And I remember getting really into that. And I was like, that'd be really fun to, to be like a host of a game show. I don't know if I'd get sick of it. You know, you, you think about how fun it would be and then you actually do it. And then you're like, oh, geez, like, this is way too much. But uh, I don't know. That was a very serious answer about a very non-serious question. So there All right, you go. Well, this is a more serious question. So maybe you'll give me a less serious answer. Uh-oh. Would you would Probably. you rather have the ability to transform into anything you've seen? Any like you could be a giraffe, you could be a bird, you could be a building. Anything you've seen, you can transform into it. Or have the ability to learn any skill by observing it. Wow. Hmm. <clears throat> transform into anything that I've seen. Um, I just walked by a donut shop, so I wonder if I transforming into a donut would probably be pretty cool, and then I could eat myself. I don't know. That's a little getting a little off track. Um, yes, you're right about how serious of a question this is. Um, I would say probably it's a good one. I would say I would say the the learning any skill, kind of like the Matrix. Have you seen the Matrix where they like download a program into your brain? I think that'd be pretty cool. The first skill I would learn is how to pitch. Um, that would be my first skill. Or maybe like like download the, the, the next update, you know, like you get on your computer. Like, okay, now you're going to be able to throw, you know, backdoor, blah, blah, blah. You know, that'd be cool. Be a genie 10.012 edition or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. 
Absolutely. Last question uh, for Would You Rathers. This one is patently ridiculous, but I thought maybe you'd be the right man for it. Great. As as uh, opposed to the first. As opposed to the first two where you were 100% the wrong guy. Okay, so would you rather be able to use any banana you encounter as a phone or use any banana you find as a toy gun that shoots slightly smaller bananas? <laughs> I uh, I was about to stop you on that first one. I was just like, that one sounds so good to me that I that I wouldn't, you know, need to you even. You gotta hear be the patient, Joe. Sometimes good stuff comes to those who wait. That's true. That's true. Did you just make that up? No, I've written it down That's beforehand. A cool phrase. I might use that. Oh, okay. Um, I think. Hmm. I I think the. You know, I, I, I just got the new iPhone and I got a nice case on it um, that was too expensive, but um, so far it's I've dropped it once and it's survived. So I, I really I do like my phone situation, um, although I think a, a banana-themed case would be um, kind of cool. But I like the banana gun thing because, I mean, how many times are you walking down the street and you're just like, I just wish I had a banana that shoots smaller bananas? <laughs> I can't even count it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, why would you? It's, it's uh, you know, it's too many. All right, if that's your answer, and I also think that it's worth noting, you can't really do much damage shooting miniature bananas at people. I think everyone would take that in good fun. So, uh, yeah, I think you're in... I think it would it would be a very appropriate for, like, humanitarian work or something, like you're on a truck in, in some country, and they, they need food, and you... You stand there and you just shoot your bananas at people and they can crack them and eat them. See, you're you're too kind. You're too kind. I would I would if I was a pitcher and I had an ability for bananas to and I was thinking in the Mario Kart version, if a guy hit a ball in the gap off me, I'd shoot it right into his running path and he would be and he'd have no chance to get even maybe not even the first base. I think the MLB would probably take some umbrage with that. They might prevent you from bringing bananas to the mound. They're a little bit hard to hide. Especially about, like, the Kiki Hernandez pants. Yeah. That's the difference between you and I. See, I'm thinking of others. And you're only, you know, thinking (laughs) of your own benefit. And so that's why, you know, that's why my answer was... I've actually been... I was thinking about these questions beforehand. I don't know how I knew them, but I just had a feeling. I've got that that connection. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to leave it, Joe, where you point out the distinction between JP as a morally bankrupt scumbag and you as one of the greatest (laughs) altruists in the history of humanity. I'm glad that you guys picked up on that as well. That's kind of what I was hinting at, but I didn't want to say it because, like... Someone like that wouldn't actually say that, but I'm glad that you. I'm I'm a journalist. I have to you know have to make those tough proclamations. We appreciate you coming on the show, Joe. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. Joe. And that was an adventure, I'd say, as anticipated. Uh, You know, I think would you rather is a good way to access Joe B. Genie's brain. What's in his brain? Oh my goodness! But he's listen, dude. I tell you what, all the stuff aside, he's been freaking good. And it's been fun to watch. And I love, you know, digging into his brain, but I also like watching him pitch. And I think he's really, really good. And I do think that he would be a good game show host. I would, I would, I think that it would be fun to watch him as a game show host. You'd have to come up with a pretty crazy game, but I think it'd be fun. He'd have watch. some good off the cuff comments about the contestants, I think. Like, 
Sometimes Trebek slides those in, but I think Joe would be more frequent with those. And uh, no, I think you do a really good job. Yeah, I'd, I, you know, I had plenty more baseball questions to ask him for sure about, you know, he's holding runners well this year, yada, yada, yada. But you only get so many bullets uh, in the chamber when, uh, when you're talking about questions and Joe be a genie. And I thought that was the way to go. So before we wrap up, uh, normally we finish the Would Rather, we got that out of the way. I want to touch on one kind of funny piece of, I guess you could call it Blue Jays news this week, you know, Red Sox news as well, uh, which is the revelation of what John Farrell is doing in retirement, uh, your former manager, who is apparently right now uh, captaining, I don't know if that's the appropriate term, captaining a, a large lobster boat. He's become you know, a, a fisherman, essentially. And I just wanted to get your take, because I've never heard of someone retiring and doing something kind of so different as that. I know in certain parts of the world, that's not a crazy thing to do with your life, but it's pretty damn different from baseball. So I just wanted to get your take on, you know, seeing your manager doing that. And then also what kind of stuff you hear guys doing in retirement that doesn't have to do with baseball. Well, I actually kind of like it in the sense of he's doing something that he loves and he likes and he and he's probably I know he's always we used to talk fishing me and John talk fishing quite a bit you know growing up in Miami I, I love to fish I, if I am incorrect I'm not sure I, I want to say that I think his dad was in the fishing business and so uh, that was something that I that I thought I, I remember but this is cool for him that he's doing it. I mean, he's he's made enough money for, on baseball it, to be able to go and do stuff like this. I think, you know, he, you have the World Series, you have the pension, which I'm sure he's got because, of, you know, he's that he's probably collecting on here soon. So there's a lot of different things that I think he was able to accomplish in the game of baseball, and he made the money to be able to do this. And then I like that he's just doing whatever makes him happy. I mean, for me – I, I wouldn't even I would not have a problem actually being like a charter boat captain and going and being on the water every day. I love being in the ocean. I love doing that. Um, if you were to ask me what I would do outside of baseball, and I I would love to be a caddy on the in the like a PGA Tour caddy. That, I think it'd be so much. That fun. seems like a one a plum job. The amount of money these guys rake in, if their guys any good at all. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know golf enough for me to be dismissive of the role of a caddy, and I don't want to do that to all of our caddy listeners. But it seems to me that that's a pretty good way to make your money. Yeah, but so a lobster fisherman is not a bad way to no, make money. No, but it's tough. Like being a lobster fisherman, that's a tough job. That's not. Uh, yeah, well, not... yeah, but he's doing he's doing something that he he loves. And if I if if it was for me to do something that I that I would enjoy, I would actually I love to golf. I love to be out on golf courses. So why not help with uh, being a golf caddy and and kind of being that person's you know right hand man and and trying to help out their career be great i mean let's i don't even care if he's a he's let's say he's just a, a a lower tier pga guy i don't care i i would still love walking around and doing that stuff on a golf course on a on a you know weekend basis all right so now you guys know if jp ever extracts himself from the baseball world in every way shape and form you'll find him on a golf course somewhere in florida presumably uh, helping people become better at their passion so we appreciate you guys listening this week. I personally think it was a, an interesting episode. I hope you guys got something out of it. And you can continue to listen, subscribe, review, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Acast, wherever you guys are listening to your podcast. 
hopefully you'll tune in next episode.